Good morning. Welcome again to River Valley Community Church. We're so glad to see everyone here with us this morning on a uh, semi-cold Sunday morning where white stuff fell out of the sky last night and sickness is going around. And so I do not take uh, anyone being here with us lightly. So thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning um, as we continue our series through the Ten Commandments. And so we are on week three of our series through the Ten Commandments, which means we're going to be hitting commandment number three, because uh, that's how the math works out. And uh, so, but before we dive, dig in there, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Therefore, I thank you so much for this time that we can gather together, that we can praise your name together, that we can lift our voices in song, can pray together, can uh, sit together and learn about who you are and see who you are through your word. Lord, I pray for this time that as we speak about your word, that it can come to life in our minds and our hearts, that we can see what you have called us to do, and we can respond, and, and we can respond only because you have loved us first, that you have moved and sent your son to save us and called us uh, your own through him. Lord, we just pray for everyone that we know who is sick, everyone who know who cannot be here this morning. We pray that they can maybe join us online or, or that they can worship where they are uh, and that they can lift your vo- their uh, minds and hearts uh, to you through the word. Lord, we love you. We seek you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I am the youngest of four. I have three older brothers, and so I grew up with my mom commonly shouting for my name, but when she yelled, she would go through the roster before she got to me. You know, she'd go, Jake, Seth, Aaron, but by the time she got to me, Adam, she kind of gave up on real names and would say Fred or George uh, because she just had had. She couldn't remember my name, apparently. Uh, and she's not here this morning, so I can say that. Uh, so she, she, uh, she couldn't remember my name, and so that almost became a joke that I was Fred or George. And actually, she still calls me Fred or George to this, this day as a, as a fun name. But what is a name? Is a, is a name just a, uh, something we label a kid that we can yell at them as parents and get their attention? Is that what a name is? I don't know. What is in a name? I, I had a nickname in high school. It was given to me. I did not choose it but it was given to me. And uh, to a large extent, all my friends actually just knew me by that nickname. And their parents actually did not know my real name. They just knew me by that nickname. And that nickname actually became another persona, and I almost would act differently when people knew me by that nickname than when, when people knew me by my real name. And even to this day, there are actually people who still call me that nickname, but no, I will not tell you what that nickname is because... I have killed that nickname, and it is no more. What is in a name? That which we call rose by any other word would smell as sweet. That's, of course, Shakespeare and Romeo and Juliet. You know, the story of the star-crossed lovers as Rome, uh, Juliet's kind of wondering why, why does, because, why is it that just because Romeo has a different last name that we cannot be together? Why? What is in a name? Would, would it, if we called it something else, would it really change what it is? What is in a name? And when asking that question, we know, yeah, a rose would smell as sweet, no matter what we called it. But the name actually reflects what it is. Because there's importance in names. We know there's importance in names. If you were, have ever been teased about your name, you know 
there's importance in their names. If you've ever had kids and, and wanted to name them something, and you took that pretty seriously because we, we know that's an important task. Usually when you're having a kid, you, you kind of you maybe look at the family tree and look for a good family name, or maybe you go to a baby book and looking for that name. Maybe you go to the Bible and want to find really one of those really cool obscure names that no one knows, or, or whatever it is. We look for those cool names. Maybe when we are thinking about naming our kids, we, we say their whole name first middle and last to make sure it rolls off the tongue well. Or maybe when we were thinking about naming our kids, we, we ponder, how could kids on the playground twist this? And let's avoid that. Because we know the importance of names. And if we know the importance of names, then it's no mistake that also God knows the importance of names as well. Which brings us to the third commandment. If you've been with us for the whole series, uh, we've been in Exodus chapter 20, for that is where we get the first rendition of these Ten Commandments. If you remember the story, this is where the Israelite people were just brought out of Egypt. God had saved them from slavery. He parted the Red Sea, and they crossed through the Red Sea. He led them to Mount Sinai in the wilderness, where he met with Moses, and now he presents his law to them. And, and here in chapter 20 of Exodus, we see these Ten Commandments given to us, and that we that are not just for the people of Israel, but they actually have have a purpose for the Christian community today. And so we're just going to read this third commandment, which is Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 7. It's going to be on the screen as well. It's just one verse, really easy. It says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Seems pretty simple. Seems pretty straightforward. How could we sum that up to we could remember a little bit and what it's getting at? And I would just offer this. Refrain from profaning honor God's name. Weirdly, when you look at any of these commandments, there's actually a negative side and there's a positive side. There's a negative side that's the prohibition, don't do this. And implied in that is going to be a positive side. Do this instead. And when we come to this, it's no different. When we see this, it says, refrain from profaning. profaning. Do not take my name in vain, but instead, what are we called to do? We're supposed to honor God's name. And so we see that negative and positive response. That's how we fulfill this commandment. We don't do that, but we do this instead. Refrain from profaning honor God's name. So let's look at what this commandment is saying in the first place. The first commandment given to us is, is about honoring God for who he is. It's knowing and worshiping the correct God. The second commandment is about how we worship him in the right way. We don't have images of that God. And the third commandment now is how do we speak or refer to that God? Jen Wilkins is a Bible teacher, and she says this, if the second commandment forbid low or careless thoughts about God, the third forbids careless words about God. And so when we get to this third commandment, it's a little deeper than just using God's name or how do we use God's name, but actually is talking about how do we think and voice those thoughts about who God is. For how do we speak of him and how we think of him and how we worship him is all tied together. So we refrain from profane. We don't take his name in vain. That might be a little bit of archaic language there. In vain, we don't take his name in vain. In vain basically means we don't use it in an irreverent or blasphemous manner. We don't use God's name in a manner which is wicked or worthless or for the wrong 
purposes. We don't use his name in the ways that he would say don't use his name. And this just means that we need to be careful about how we use his name. It's not like some traditions developed that we don't even speak his name or we become superstitious about speaking his name. You know, God's not he who must not be named. He is God, but he says, just be careful how you speak my name, how you use my name. And so we look at that, what is forbidden and how we use his name. And the Bible makes it very clear. We see further on when the, when the law is given in, in uh, Leviticus. And Leviticus 24 actually institutes the death penalty if you speak God's name um, in, in a uh, blasphemous or cursing kind of manner. And that's usually where we go to when we think about don't use God's name in vain, right? The GDs and, and people use as expletives and all this stuff. That's what we really, really think about. And so we see that's, of course, forbidden. Forbidden. We also see that we, don't, we shouldn't use God's name in false ways, like shoring up our false promises or trying to convince people of our oaths. Leviticus 19.12 says, You should not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. We also see that these, these prophets, when you read the, the minor prophets and the big prophets, we see people actually prophesying in God's name incorrectly. And so we see that's forbidden, that we don't slap God's name on a false vision or a false prophecy trying to convince people of this that's true. And it's really interesting, when you dig into the Old Testament, you see God's name even, is even associated with worship. And when people worship God incorrectly, he says, you are profaning my name because his name is so connected to who he is. And so we see, it seems almost, almost too simple when we read this commandment. Just watch your tongue when you're talking about God. Be careful on how you speak about him. Refrain from profaning, honor God's name. But why would we do that? Why is that commandment given to us? The, the, the what of it seems pretty simple on the, on the surface of it, but why would God care so much about how we use his name? Well, we already talked about there's an importance in name. And in the ancient Near East, when, when the Bible was written in that culture, that is actually even more significant than it is nowadays, that names had meaning. And we actually can just read the Bible and we see that. There's these characters and they're given names and they have this rich meaning that point to who they are. Abram is, is renamed Abraham, father of the multitude, signifying the promise that he has for him. His son is named Isaac, meaning he laughs. Why? Because Abraham laughed when he was promised Isaac. And so his name is, is kind of reflecting those circumstances. When we get to Jacob, who, who tricks his brother out of his birthright, his name really means heel grabber or trickster. And so you almost have his name being a self-fulfilled prophecy. Even the prophets who came, their names signified so much of what their ministry was. We can just think of Elijah. His name is, my God is Yahweh. And what did Elijah do? He stood strong in the face of false prophets, in the face of idols, and declared, this is your God. And so we see there's a significance in names, especially around this time, that they have meaning, a rich meaning that point to who they are, point to their purpose, and, and, and they point to who God is as well when we think about his name. And it's still true today. But when we think about God, his name has meaning, far beyond just something that's put on him because God actually gives us his name. In the same book of Exodus, 
If you remember the story, when Moses is out watching sheep in the desert, he sees a burning bush that's not being consumed, and he hears God call from this bush. And he approaches, and God gives him this command. You're going to go into Egypt, and you're going to represent me, and I'm going to pull my people out. And Moses is like, well, who should I say I'm representing? And what does God say? I am who I am. His name, I am, signifies who he is. Tell them I am is coming. I am sent you. That God is pointing that his name signifies who he is. He's the self-existent one, the sovereign one, the creator of all. He now is giving Moses the right to speak in his name. And then further on, right after the, ten, the, the giving of the Ten Commandments in Exodus uh, 33, there's that great encounter where Moses basically says, hey, I want to see your glory. And God says, okay, I'll show you my glory. He says, hide here, and when I pass over you, you can get a glimpse of my backside, and you'll see my glory. And what does he say about that? He says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you uh, my name, the Lord. And seeing his glory, this is God proclaiming to Moses his name. And so we can see that wrapped up in God's name is actually his character, his goodness, his glory. It's who he is. That to know God's name is actually to know God. Kevin Young, another uh, a pastor and author, says, to know the name Yahweh, the merciful and gracious one, is not to merely know something about God. It is to know God himself. God shows himself by speaking his name. That's why God cares about how we use his name. For when we know the name of God, when we know God through this name that he's revealed to himself, we know his character. We know his nature. We know who he is. And these are all tied together. Our view of who God is tied together for how we use his name and speak his name. If we get his name wrong and the use of his name wrong, we get him wrong. Another author says like this, anytime we hear the name of the Lord in a verse or passage, we can substitute the character of the Lord in its place. God's name represents the sum total of his character. He is holy, loving, just, compassionate, omnipresent, omnipotent, uh, sovereign, gracious, merciful, patient, infinite, and good. To pray in the name of the Lord is to pray according to his character. To call upon the name of the Lord is to ask God to act according to his character. To seek shelter in the name of the Lord is to place our trust in who he is. To be baptized in the name of the Lord is to identify with the character as our salvation, our strength, and our new identity. To misuse the name of the Lord is to take his name in vain, is to misrepresent the character of God. So that's why God cares about how we use his name. Because when we get it wrong, we get him wrong. He reveals himself through his name. His name is who he is. And this shouldn't surprise us. Names become associated with people, do they not? Like if you're thinking about a certain name, maybe when you had a discussion naming a kid or something, and someone says, well, let's, let's, if, so, if, uh, if my wife said, hey, let's name our daughter Lauren, I would say no, because that is a girl who made fun of how I talked in elementary school, and so we cannot name her that. Because the names become associated with people. 
And we also know that with loved ones. Like, you cannot hear the name of a loved one without thinking of all they represent and all the feelings and emotions they might come. I can't hear my wife's name, Casey, without immediately thinking of her and her attire, her character, and how I love her because names become associated with who they are. And the same thing happens with God. And that's why he cares about how we name him and use his name. Because it's associated with who he is. It reveals who he is. It's connected to our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions about who God is. And if we had any doubt about the importance of the name and how we use God's name, the Bible will not let us forget that using God's name or the name of the Lord is important. We can just read again in Psalm 8, 1, it says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 29, 2, ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Matthew 6, 9, when, teachers, when Jesus is teaching us how to pray, how does he teach us to pray? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Acts 4, uh, 12, there is salvation found in no one else, uh, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Philippians 2, 10 through 11, so at the name of, the, of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Again and again, the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus, the name of God is upheld as saying there's majesty here we praise his name. We found salvation in his name. We're saved in his name. We praise his name. And that's the destiny of all of creation, to praise the name of God. So then God's name should be honored, not misused. How we speak about God and how we use his name matters because it shows how we think about God. Words are important. I might be Maybe the last generation that grew up on the phrase, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Because that, you know, now it's more lines, sticks and stones will break, may break your bones, but words will cause, cause psychological harm, and you'll need counseling for your whole life. And there's truth there, and people can argue about whether we should use that phrase or what it says about the new generation, but there's truth there because it shows there's actually power in words. How we use words matters. It can stick with us. How we, how we name something is important because it shows what we think about something or how we hold them in our minds or how, or, or, or how we're you know, um, looking towards it. And so how we use God's name shows whether we're honoring him or dishonoring him or whether we think he's low or we think he's high. It shows us how we're processing who God's name or who God is. So refrain from profaning. Honor God's name. So that's the why of it. But how do we do this in life? How do we do this practically day by day? How do we keep this commandment? Because as I said, it seems pretty simple. Just don't use God's name wrong. But I can sum it up with these ways. I think we can see many different angles in which this is fulfilled. We fulfill this commandment. We follow this commandment when we don't, when we're not false. We don't be frivolous. We don't be fake, but we strive for balance. So let's break this down. We don't be false in the use of God's name. We don't attach God's name to half-truths or our own purposes. 
That's breaking this commandment. There's a reason why, historically, when you go into a court and you had to swear your testimony, you, you would say something along the lines that you're swearing to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Because it's signifying we don't attach God's name to falsehood. We don't use God's name falsely like that. But this would also mean that we don't attach God's name to fulfill our own purposes. We don't take God's name or his purposes and say, well, I really want to do this, and I'm going to justify this, and I'm going to convince other people to do this with me by attaching God's name to it. Politicians, I'm looking at you. People love to do this. When they are really passionate about something, when they're convinced about something, and it's not directly outlined in Scripture, they love to take God's name and say, follow me because this is what God wants you to do. Do this because it honors God. And if it's a debatable issue, you can say, wait a minute. That's using God's name attached to your own purpose for your own agenda. And if it's clearly outlined in Scripture, we can fully support that because we can see God saying that. But when it's in those debatable areas, people love to attach God's name to things to give it extra clout. People can have a habit, and if, this, if you have this habit, I'm sorry, but maybe we should watch when we talk about God told me to do this, or God told me to do that, when it's really maybe just what we want to do. If you feel led by Scripture and you feel like this is how I honor God, great, walk in that with confidence. But when you're trying to convince other people of your own kind of agenda, maybe we just need to chill a bit and not attach God's name falsely to our own purposes. You know, we just finished building this and moved in this in September. And during the whole campaign... There's always that temptation when we're raising money, when we're playing this, to speak in a manner of God wants us to be here. I could believe that, but I cannot say that. I can say God wants the gospel to be declared, and man, this building here with the purposes of the church here, with reaching these neighborhoods, isn't that great? And God definitely wants the, the gospel reclaimed, and so he wants a community around this area. But I cannot say, because we don't know for certain that God definitely, and I can't in, 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 uh, put that on other people, this is what God plans for River Valley. We'd rather say no, the leadership through prayer through reading what we, what, what we believe God has called us to do, think this is the wisest course of action as we step forward to serve our God. But to imply anything else or to put anything else on that is to use God's name falsely because we can't speak for God on that. And if we ever bent that, we have to ask for forgiveness. I hope we didn't. But we don't be false in using God's name. We also don't be frivolous in the use of God's name. We don't use God's name in a trite manner. I mean, this is probably the most obvious example we see when people use God's name as expletives or they, they kind of scatter it through speech and in a false kind of frivolous manner, uh, in an <clears throat> irreverent manner would probably fall on this. Is if we're not thinking about what we're saying when we use God's name. But maybe it goes a little bit more that we shouldn't use God's name in a flippant manner. We shouldn't probably use God's name for humor and for laughs. I work out with someone who uh, has a, a t-shirt that I think is quite funny. Has a t-shirt that has a picture of Jesus on who's lifting weights and it says, Jesus, the ultimate deadlifter. I can laugh at the joke. 
it's funny, but you got to go, wait a minute, is that the wisest way to approach the use of Jesus in his name? We, I don't have to be a stick in mud and I don't, I don't condemn him and say, get out of here. No, but we got to think about that. Is that the proper use of his name? And we got to decide for ourselves and then walk in that. Again, it's not so much about how we use the names or if there's a ceremony or a trick behind the use of names, but it's how, how we use it shows where our heart is in regarding who God is. And so we need to watch what we say because it, sh- it starts to influence how we feel or how we see him. So we don't be false, we don't be frivolous, and we also don't be fake in the name, uh, using God's name. We don't use God's name as a tagline when we are doing nothing associated with God. We don't say, you know, God bless you and God bless America if you don't really believe that. We're not fake. We don't walk in those ways. This also means that when we live and we have taken the name of God, of Jesus Christ upon ourselves, we don't live in a way that is contrary to that name. Because every time we live in a way that's contrary to the name that we say we follow, we're actually using his name incorrectly. We're not walking and living as he calls us to do. We don't be fake with it. And we also finally, we strive for balance in the use of the name. This might probably offend most people, so here we go. We strive for balance because there, we have this crazy, this crazy, crazy uh, intimacy with God. He loves us as his kids. He, he brings us around. He knows us intimately, and he asks us to know him intimately. But at the same time, this is God himself. This is the creator, the almighty God. There's a reason when you see how he's referred to, his name is mentioned again and again, and it's used for reference because we must never forget the almighty has called us close. And yet, when we can somehow focus too much on the closeness, we get this habit of maybe forgetting who he is who's called us into his family. I have a friend in seminary who always, when his prayers, would refer to Daddy God. And it kind of made me cringe on the inside. Not because I don't have emotions, I have emotions. Not because my dad didn't love me, he loved me. But it made me cringe on the inside because it seemed like the balance was a little skewed. Yes, you have intimacy with him. Yes, we can cry out, Abba, Father. Yes, that's all true. But we must never forget who it is we call Father. He is the Almighty. We treat him with reverence and respect and awe. We tremble in a godly fear of who he is as he calls us close. And so we strive for that balance when we look to him, knowing we're, we're called close and he loves us, at the same time knowing how great he is. So we don't be false in his use of his name. We don't be frivolous. We don't be fake. And finally, we strive for that balance as we honor him. Refrain from profaning, honor God's name. We have one of the greatest privileges ever. We can be known by God, and we can know God. He knows us, and we know him through his name. And not only that, if you know Jesus Christ, we can take his name upon ourselves, are now known as him as we are brought into his family. And now we live in his family, representing his family name. Family names can be kind of funny, can't they? The joke around uh, my extended family, the Carius household, is that Carius is always right. The name, Carius, now is bestowing 
these things that we, it kind of turns into a trait. That the name, you kind of look toward, and that's what, the, that's what you live up to, and that's what you, who you are, and it defines who you are, and that's the family name. And family names can also be kind of um, something that you look to, and you live up to, and you hope you can achieve it. Like when you have a, a strong family that has a lot of really big people who do great things, you can feel this pressure to live up to that name, to represent that name well, to honor that name by how you live and how you treat. And, and so you can look at that, but you can also feel the crushing weight of that as well. That if you don't live up to that name and that, yet that name's on you, you can feel like you don't measure up, you don't belong. Maybe you're a fraud, maybe you're an imposter. And so now when it comes to God's name and how we, if, if you believe in Christ, are now known by him and we live under his name, we live in his family, we can feel that crushing weight because we're like, I don't live up. How did I sneak in the back door? How am I part of God's family? I don't live like I'm supposed to. I don't follow him like I'm supposed to. I don't even love him like I'm supposed to. And so we feel this weight that somehow we're frauds, somehow we're imposters. That we think, man, I'm a really bad Christian. Here's a hint. We're all really bad Christians. And if our hope was to live up to his name, if our hope was to walk upright in his name and do that well enough and do that good enough, we would be doomed. But our hope is to look to the one who already did. For we look to Christ who already lived perfectly, lived righteously before the Father, did everything necessary for our salvation, did everything to the T, so that now when we are united to him by faith, we get what is his. And we can stand in his glory, stand in his righteousness before our holy Father. Our hope is not to follow this commandment or any of these commandments perfectly. Our hope is always to look to the one who did and rest in him. But then the magical, magical is the wrong word, then a great and fantastic thing happens. As we look and rest in Christ, he changes us. Bit by bit, we are changed. As we know Christ, as we're united to Christ, as the Holy Spirit is working on us through the Word, applying these truths and changing us, we realize this new identity we have and we realize this new family we have and we're given everything we need to now walk in that new identity, to live in that new way. And so now we walk boldly through the power of Christ as He's living and moving in us. And then we can now, through Christ, start to honor His name in all we do. We see this in Colossians 3, verse 17. It says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And in everything we do, we can now honor God. We can honor Jesus. Why? Because Jesus lives in us, working in us, moving in us, giving us everything we need now to follow God and honor His name in all we do so that we can live up to this new identity that He's given us. So honor God with all your life as we rest in Christ. Refrain from profaning. Honor God's name. Join me in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word. The truth that we can, we can read the, the commandments and see your will for our life, see what you have, will, would call us to. See how you call us to follow you and to be yours and to live for you to honor you through our words and how we speak.
And Lord, thank you so much also for your gospel. The truth that these are good guides and rules and regulations that help point us to your truth, but our hope is not found in them. Our hope is found in you through Jesus Christ who saved us. So Lord, I just pray for all of us here, everyone who is listening, everyone who is with us this morning, that we can rest in Christ, look to him, hope in him, as he changes us more and more to follow you in all that we do. Lord, we love you. We seek you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.